Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Really 007 podcast for this special interview with none other than Andreas Wisniewski, best known to Bond fans, of course, for playing the master henchman Necros in The Living Daylights. You can find us and listen in on iTunes and Spotify, and of course now YouTube, and we're on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. With me today are Mr Chris Goldie and Math Pickup, who I'm sure are thrilled to be in the presence of uh, Bond royalty. And of course, we've got Andreas, who joins us live from Berlin. So another international uh, podcast experience we're, we're having here. Only an hour different, though, so it's not too bad. So yes, aside from appearing in what we regard as one of the finest Bond films, we're all massive Timothy Dalton fans. Uh, Andreas has made many appearances on film and TV, including Die Hard, two Mission Impossible films, Centurion, and the uh, British dramas Ultimate Force and The Bill which uh, I'm sure many people <laughs> know him from as well. And he was also in, Andreas, I believe, in the, the music videos for Elton John's Nikita and Banana Rama's Venus. Two number ones, though, this is all... Well, yeah, well, yeah I, I did look that up, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, massive songs. Look at your CV, you've appeared alongside some, obviously, massive actors like Bruce Willis, of course, James Coburn, Gabriel Byrne. I didn't know this, fellow Bond actress Olga Kurylenko, who was in Quantum of Solace. She was in, um, but I didn't actually meet her. Ah, right. <laughs> didn't share any scenes. A lot of these actors you've appeared alongside, you, you were saying you've obviously been with Tom Cruise in, was it the first and the fourth Mission Impossible films? Yep, that's, yeah. that was a bit of a surprise that, uh, you know, you playing, playing villains, you didn't tend to come back. It was meant to be the same guy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we're massive Bond fans, like we say, particularly the Timothy Dalton films. We had a poll recently where we decided that we thought his films were the best two because there are six of us on, on our podcast. Now, when you were cast, were you expecting to be acting alongside Roger Moore or we, did you know it would be Timothy Dalton? Neither, neither. They were just, um, they were looking. They were looking at the time and... Um... Um, there were a couple of names that were, they were throwing about. I remember Ian McShane was one of them. Um, maybe, maybe a few other ones. I'm only thinking of them because I was just watching this uh, American uh, series called um, American Gods that Ian, Ian McShane is starring, yeah. and, and I just thought, yeah, he could have he could have done Bond. He could have done Bond quite well. He's uh, delicious in American Gods and and a, and a good actor. He could have done it. But uh, as it happened. Um, I thought Tim Dalton was a, was a great choice, and it's really a shame he only did two, because uh, he's uh, just such a strong actor. When, when you were acting alongside him, were you learning on the job as well? Because I mean, he's he's got a Shakespearean background, hasn't he? Yep, yep, absolutely. I mean, I, I was I was very green, you know. I was uh, learning from everybody, right, left, and centre. You mentioned green. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether you can remember the the guy you have a fight with is Necros in the kitchen. 
is that guy he's called Green Four. I think that was his code name. Yeah, vaguely familiar. Yeah, and we were saying we think that's still one of the best hand-to-hand fights in the whole yeah, series. It really is. Yeah. We have dangerous gas leaks in main building. Some personnel overcome. Evacuate immediately. Send for emergency medical services. Control to Green 4. I read and understand you. Control to all stations. Code 10. Initiate emergency drill. Evacuate to the main building. Emergency. Emergency. Evacuate to the main building. There's a major gas explosion. Keep clear of the main building. KGB! Eat back, everybody! Get up! Don't kill me! Come on! Don't kill me! Move! Move! Keep clear of the main building! Keep clear! Did he have training for the fights? Particular specific training for that? Well, we had um, three days. We had three days to to study. I mean, and mainly, obviously, it was uh, Bill Weston, who's a you know a stunt guy who who knows what he's doing, and, and and I didn't. So it was it was mainly it was mainly me. I guess the fact that I was um, I was a, a dancer really helped. Not, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't study any martial arts or anything. But, but as a dancer, you have, you tend to have a, you tend to be very conscious in how you use your body, and it's a, it's a sort of very good setup to acquire other physical st- skills quickly. So yeah, we had that, we had that uh, training for three days. They had already choreographed it, and then it was just a matter of transferring it to the set. I mean, the good thing, the good thing with film is you can do snippet by snippet. What one of the amazing things about that fight is that. Obviously, as Tom said, it takes place in the kitchen. So was it was it even more difficult to choreograph because of, you know, all the different kitchen utensils and different little, you know, things that are used? Like the um, there's like a butcher's saw and stuff that's used. You know, I, I was really glad. I wouldn't know what, what would have happened if he hadn't had all the utensils. Mm. And, you know, the collapsible shelf and, and all that stuff. No, I thought, I thought it was, that was... Uh, made it easier sorry to say obviously having to shoot that which is a fairly you know it's a really elaborate scene and you've got three days to to shoot that was there a, were you feeling the pressure of you know trying to get it right and making sure you get all that coverage and, and things like that or or was it kind of fairly kind of laid back or were you always under the under pressure nah i was having a blast <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want to hear <laughs> We know John Glenn is obviously the director. He's pretty experienced in the action scenes because he was a second unit, wasn't he, before that. Was he particularly on the action scenes? Did he take the lead and did he have it all choreographed frame by frame? No, no, I mean, um, he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't um, do all the actions and, and quite a few times a shot with second unit. That's a, that's the thing, you know, he, he may have started as, a, as an action director, but when you move on to the, to the first unit, then you leave the second to someone else. We think that John Glenn's quite underappreciated as a director in general, but how does he compare to the other directors you worked with, like Brian De Palma? Is he fairly technical, or does he kind of just let you get on with things? 
Well, you know, every every um, director is a sort of um, has its own has its own flavor. I mean, with John, I think it was always palpable that he he was an editor. He already cut the film together in his head when uh, you were doing it, which which was really which was really great for me because because I hadn't had any experience uh, in in front of a camera where I had to really pay attention to continuity and so forth. So I'd, so that that helped me pick it up quickly. Brian De Palma is, Brian De Palma is uh, obviously uh, very technical and um, tends to be, uh, or at least was in, in um, the, those two times, um, that one time I, I worked with him, was very hands-off. You know, he would sort of, he, he likes to be removed from it all. And I guess what that allows you to do is to get a sort of bird's eye view of everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the drawback is that there's no no really personal relationship, you know. And I guess it doesn't matter so much when you when you kind of doing hard hard action and so forth. It it could be more of a problem when you have um, you know when you need to tease something out of your actors or something like that. That that, that I I can imagine that uh, could be problematic. You've worked with Ken Russell, haven't you? Yeah, Ken was yeah. great. Ken was Ken was fabulous. I Ken was uh, he was one of the few directors who ever had me back. <laughs> uh, he, he was great because he was he had he did pr- precisely that right he was he was like you, you could you could talk to him and he would he would talk to you and enjoy doing it and making it a little tiny tiny parts that i, I played uh, in his um in his films yeah but i mean if you know for for the for the sort of acting bit of the of the the acting it's it's uh, it's great to have someone like that um, action is a bit of a different, different thing. I mean, different beast. Because uh, really, um, at the end of the day, you, you know, if you don't get your foot on the right ledge, <laughs> then uh, you have a, you have a problem. I have, so I have a few scarves to show for that sort of thing. <laughs> Nail once jumping out of the window and things like that. You know, so, so there's, there's something to be said for focusing on action in the right scene. Who were you going to say was the other, the other great director? You were going to mention somebody. Not John McTiernan. <laughs> McTiernan, McTiernan was was uh, was nice. I, I enjoyed working with him. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's sort of there's no such thing as directors. I mean, there are there are like like there are no actors. You know, everybody is just is just very different. Perhaps uh, director the director has uh, even more impact upon a film and upon upon the, the the whole atmosphere on the set, right? So it's it's you know it, it's technical directors will tend to who probably have more technical people around them, and it influences the whole, the whole uh, flavor of, of the shoot. McKinnon was great. He was, I thought, he was very uh, universal. He he knew he knew the technical stuff, but he could also talk to actors. We talked to Anthony Stark, who was in *License to Kill*. Of course, that was John Glenn, and he said John was very hands off with the actors, as in he let them get on with the scenes, particularly the dialogue scenes and the the non action scenes. So were you allowed to sort of create your own character for yourself to bring into the, the scenes? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do feel that was the case. I mean, considering um, a couple of aspects, I guess, to consider. Now, one is that the tendency for, for, for henchmen type characters is that they would be, that they, that they likely be flat because they wouldn't be, you know, so important in the script. They wouldn't necessarily have any any pivotal importance. Uh, and um, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't get to learn much about uh, a character's background, right? So that, that means there's, you, you see a sort of, typically you just see one, one dimension. And then it's up to you to try and get something else in, right? And there is, it's not necessarily set up for that. So you have to, you have to get it in when you can, I guess. I, yeah, I did, I did what I could. Did you, did you kind of develop John, John certainly didn't hinder me. No, good. <laughs> so, what, did you create a little sort of background for him? Because I think he's referenced this obviously like X KGB, isn't he? Did you kind of come up with this whole kind of background and characterization for him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you remember what 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 you kind of used? Um, neglected by his parents. No, I'm sorry, I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I cannot. I, you know, I, I remember taking this whole thing very seriously, uh, which, which kind of was, was nice doing it with, with, with Tim, because Tim was taking it seriously after, you know, the, the Roger Moore era, which was taking it all much more lightly. So I, I studied all this, what makes someone do violent things, you know, and I read all these, these uh, books on psychology and all that stuff, the 
but um, but I, I'm afraid I cannot uh, get any more details of what might have happened to Necros to turn him into a henchman. <laughs> <laughs> we have lots of different assassination methods we, uh, and disguises. I mean, this must have been an absolute joy to play that part. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was, you know, he was a, a suppressed actor. Couldn't make it. <laughs> yeah. didn't, didn't didn't get didn't get into acting school. He said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna show him." <laughs> We've read as well that obviously you had to do so many different accents. That must have been difficult for you as a German guy. It was impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say yeah. So was some of it you had the voice dubbed, is that correct? Yes, I think so. No German, though. <laughs> especially since neither the Americans nor the Brits know what a real Russian accent sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, yeah. We get our usually Scottish people, like Robical Train, to play our Russians, so yeah. <laughs> We've also looked and um, at your background, and you, you're a Zen Buddhist, is that right? Yes. Yeah, how, how does that influence your approach to your work? That's a great question. I've never been asked it, and uh, I'll, I'll try and, and answer it in a, in a way that it won't take too long. So the way that to approach this is to look at it as sort of ego trip. What can I do with this part? What can I bring to this part? How can I make this good? And it tends to all be about me in the end. And uh, that is kind of counter to Zen, because in Zen, the emphasis is on what's not me. So the, the approach is that you take yourself out of the equation. You, you take all your projections and all your ideas and all your whole personality out of it and then start with a clean sheet and then see, you know, what's, what is really on the page? What is this character like without my little ideas, without my projections and, and things that and my filtration of what 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 I like and dislike about so it's it's actually it's a much broader approach and it's it's actually much more enjoyable you see what I'm saying so one is kind of like I'm starting with my stuff and I'm seeing it through my eyes and my my filters and the other one is we wipe all that clean and start with a completely empty sheet fascinating yeah <laughs> very different Andreas very good a lot, a lot of your scenes uh, were also with Dutch actor Yaron Krabbe and the American Joe Don Baker. What were they big characters off screen as well? <laughs> yes, they were. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get to spend that much time with uh, with Joe, but I did spend a bit of time um, with Hiroon uh, in uh, Morocco. I thought, yeah, he was, you know, he was, uh, or uh, is, he's he's a life uh, life loving character, and he was, you know, very. Um, very artistically minded, you know, while, while everybody else was sitting around in their trailers, he was actually painting, creative, a very creative person and funny. Good. <laughs> was Tim funny? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's one thing you can always count on with Brits, right? They, 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 they <laughs> can you. make you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, another thing we were thinking about is that you must be the only Bond character who's had their own sort of theme song, and you even listen to it on your earphones. I mean, that's, a, that's amazing. Is that true? I think so, yeah. You're listening to it as you go into the, the country place in England, and then you've got it on at the fairground in Vienna, and, you know, it's a John Barry song that yeah, pretenders yeah. are all for you, you know, quite a few villains who have their own theme but this is the one where there's only you know a song that then sort yeah. of becomes worked into the theme whenever you're you know involved or whenever Necros was like you know at the fairground for example and then of course on the plane you know one of my favorite fights yeah. in the whole series I, I do remember where they, they played it to me they made a they made a point of it so they were they were quite aware that that's what they were doing right. when when they introduced me to everybody I was in the sound suite and uh, and they played me that songs that that's gonna be that's gonna be playing in your headphones um, when you kill that that um, that's the, interesting that so the song had already been recorded and obviously you know oh, wow. formed and everything yes right Oh. The John Barry score for The Living Daylights is fantastic. So when you got to see it for the first time, the edited version, maybe the premiere, was it just all the better to see your your scenes with John Barry's music? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, it's it's 
I don't know whether I could I could separate it at the time. I mean, it's, it's such a big thing when you see the the thing come together on the screen. You know, you've you've um, you've poured so much into it, and some somebody calculated once it's actually the one lifetime. One lifetime of work goes into the making of a of a feature film, mm-hmm. um, and then it all it's all condensed in you know two hours. So there's just uh, so many overwhelming uh, impressions. I do not, um, I don't, uh, I can't particularly say that the music struck me at that time, but I do think uh, that John Barry was a fabulous composer. You know, I, I have all the soundtracks and, uh, and, and I listen to them too, and, and, and others, not just the, the Bond stuff. So did you get to go to the, was there a royal premiere or anything like that? Was there ever. <laughs> <laughs> no holds barred. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it, it was somewhere it was somewhere on the embankment, and they'd built up this sort of tent city, and um, you know they had, they had all they had, they had they, they, these things were at the time were always sponsored by Bollinger, so there was unlimited Bollinger, but they had also built up these um, there were all these food stands that had something to do with the theme of the film, so they had Afghan food and you know and 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 all the and and Viennese and all the things oh. that kind of. Gelled with it. <laughs> it was great. It was really, it was uh, fabulous. And of course, yeah, the, 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 there was a, a, a royal uh, performance before, and um, and some of us were introduced to um, to Prince Charles and um, Princess Di. So. <laughs> what an experience! <laughs> you got to go all around the world filming as well, didn't you? Well, it could have. You know, some of the other ones went went much further, but uh, <laughs> jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Do you actually went to Morocco though? Oh yes, yes. We spent a month yeah, yeah. in Morocco. That was uh, that was the doubling for for Afghanistan. Obviously, that was uh, yeah. was some of it. The, the desert part that was beautiful. Yeah, we were in um, Tangier for two weeks and then two and then in uh, Wazazat for for the rest of the time. The, the desert part, stunning. I mean, Vienna is a beautiful city, but obviously that's quite. Well, it's a bit nearer to home, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Pinewood, how long were you seen filmed at Pinewood for? Well, the Pinewood, I think that happened, uh, I can't, can't quite remember. I remember I was on the film for about three months. Uh, a month of that was in Morocco. And then there obviously were various uh, scenes throughout the UK, uh, some in the Midlands and um, Pinewood. I, I think Pinewood was toward the end. Yes, it must have been toward the end because I remember when we had done when we had shot the um, the bit in the net, the fight in the net between um, Bond and Necros. Uh, I was wrapped. That was so. so that was the that was the end for me. So oh, I guess oh. they did all the Pinewood stuff then. How was that scene? I mean, we, we said we've you've had one of the best fight scenes in the kitchen, but this is possibly my favourite end fight with a henchman ever, mm. and it must have been difficult to film that one. Well, that was the only bit that was really hard work. That was hard work, even for someone um, in, in in good shape, which I was at the time. Yeah, it took three days to to just do the the close ups to match the um, the shots that they'd already done. The, the, the two stunt guys and John had that on a steam back, so he could uh, he could uh, match it right by by eyesight. We we do a bit and fit it in, and if it wasn't right, we kept, we kept going. I remember Tim was saying, you know, after an hour we'd been hanging in the net, and we were these sort of harnesses. It was not like you could just get out. Uh, and, and have a rest or something. Once you were in it, you were in it for a while. And it was a bit of a big deal. Um, we'd just been shooting an hour, and and, and he, I think Tim asked uh, John, "How long are we going to be here for?" And John said, "Well, you know, scheduled three days." And Tim said, "I'm knackered already." <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
He was quite a physical presence, though, as well, wasn't he? He was in decent shape for the action scenes. Yeah, yeah, but I think that was, that was uh, very helpful. I mean, the legacy, we recently did a, an episode on the best henchman, and we sort of covered the entire series, and you, you were right up there. And Esquire magazine, you came 20th recently, and that, that's out of all the 104 villains. So you're only two places below Jaws, so you're doing something right. To, uh, to admit, it's a bit, it's, I think they should, you know, they should be, they shouldn't be all lumped together because there's the henchmen, the yes. executors, right? And then there are the, the, the brainiacs, those that, that have the, you know, the evil super villains the, with the master plan. They're, they shouldn't be in the same category, don't you think? But I think Necros is a bit of both. I mean, he's a KGB agent, doesn't he? He uses his intelligence and his disguise. He's not, that's why I think we love him. He's more than just an average henchman. That's what I wanted, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is. He's, he's quite a unique sort of villain in the, uh, in the series because he's, I, I think henchman does a, a bit of a disservice and does you a bit of a disservice because he, he's like a, he's a proper assassin and, you know, uses different methods to, you know, like disguises. And yeah, so one of my favourite, one of my favourite scenes, you know, is the um, at the at the fairground when he uh, when he kills Saunders. So I, I, I mean, was that how, how did that scene sort of come together for you, and how, how much were you involved? Because obviously, you're just a sort of bystander. Necros is a bystander operating it via remote control. Yeah, but I, I love that. I love that. That's where I got all my close-ups. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. We did, we did, uh, we were in Vienna, we were in the Prata, and they, yeah. they shut down the Prata for us, and we, we, we did all that. And uh, and then the, the trick shots, obviously, were done at Pinewood to, to, to match those. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. It's just nice, you know, where you can do, do some, some, some acting just with your eyes. I certainly did that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. one, mine here? Nine. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Good luck. And Saunders. Thanks. Was that your idea, the slick back, the blonde hair? Well, it, it, it was my idea, but I, I didn't know that they described the character like that in the script. I guess it probably contributed to my getting the part. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I walked in there with, with slick back hair. Like, he looks just like he should. Because you're almost like a, a souped-up version of Donovan Red Grant from, from Russia mm -hmm. with Love. 
almost like you know a, an 80s version of him i guess very was that ever was that a conscious thing for you is that would you ever kind of channeling bits of any kind of bond films you'd seen and thought actually i really like that aspect of that henchman or that villain or that character so, so totally not i mean you want to be so much be different from everybody else right okay <laughs> it's more of a case of just trying to avoid the kind of cliches of uh, of those characters quite, <laughs> yeah. quite possibly although you know i mean i had i had all i'd seen all the bonds at the time and uh, i still have it's, it's not that uh, i sort of classify myself as a fan you know i mean i i've seen I saw them just like I saw everything else that that was out there, and and uh, I certainly didn't go back to to study the, the movies in order to 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 get something I, that I didn't do. That's you know that I guess it can be helpful, but it can also be a hindrance. Yeah, there's, I suppose there's, there's a lot of baggage, isn't there, when it comes to these films and they've been around for so long. Yeah, of course it's much worse for for whoever plays Bond, right? Because that's like that's in a way it's a horrible part to play. You know, the, <laughs> the people that have already played it, you don't want to be compared. Like, oh, he's he's like this, but a little bit worse, maybe. That would be that'd be a dreadful thing, right? You certainly don't want that, and you kind of have to make your own mark. But you know, the, some niches have already been occupied, right? I mean, Sean Connery was the the most macho and and whatnot. So you want to sort of juggle it and, and just yeah. get it just right I, it's um, it's hard i think it was quite hard for tim as well the sorts of pressure of, of the day-to-day being a bond and having to do the side when you're not acting i don't uh, i don't know i don't know i guess it, it, it could be whether he perceived it that way i i really don't know i mean possibly because because generally i perceived him to be uh, quite private you know and, and and you can't you can only be so private if you're playing James Bond, I mean, there must have been a huge amount of attention on him. Especially when it's his first one, and it's as Bond, wasn't it? It's his debut, so real pressure on, on him. Oh, we, we think he did brilliantly. Yeah, yeah and the, you know, the press standing around the corner when, when you're eating a kebab or whatever, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always feel that, that there's a kind of, particularly during from the, the 70s and 80s, that a lot of the same people were kind of part of you know, the same technical, you're kind of behind the camera kind of crew. I always feel that there's like a sense of a family, you know, like John Glenn working his way up and a lot of the same kind of, you know, like say the, the, the crew. Did you get that, that you were kind of joining a family? So Absolutely. So much so. So much so. And it, I think it really contributed to being, to everybody being so relaxed with each other. You know, there was never, never did anybody shout. It was just, it was just not necessary, you know. It just it just gelled so beautifully. Everybody knew what they were doing. They were good at it, and they'd done it together. And it just uh, it was it was great. Yeah, I, re- I had that. I, I remember when I was thinking that we were in um, in Wazazad, and a bunch of us. That was I think the others were a crew were playing poker. And I thought, you know, I feel like this is just like a family. Everybody's just so, so <laughs> easy going with each other. And just just going back to you mentioning before about you, you obviously the the Zen Buddhism and and do you feel that you're a better actor for that or do you just think that you would naturally kind of improve with experience and age? Do you think that does have a big impact on that? Like you said that that kind of clean sheets and being able to sort of really be and I suppose that's what acting is is that it is sort of taking on that other character. Do you feel that you have benefited from those, I suppose, that, that faith and that kind of skill set? Yeah, massively. massively. I guess mm. it's, it's hard for me to imagine uh, my life without this, um, it, because it just, it's, a, it's basically, it's the tool bag of things, how you, how you deal with, with stuff, with situations, external situations, but also with internal stuff, emotions and, and issues and problems and so forth. And, you know, I mean, I think you can, you can, um, progress and improve without without that but um, but then you'd have other tools right I mean I think uh, an actor who would feel that he wouldn't be getting better at it would probably eventually quit because it would be it would be dissatisfactory right I mean everything that is that has a bottom to it you eventually you get fed up with you get fed up and so so it's only the things that that are bottomless where you can basically infinitely, continue to explore and improve that that keep your attention in the long run and for me yeah you... I'm, I'm really glad I, I have those those tools and I don't want to go back 
And how long have you been kind of practicing? Zen Buddhism? Yes. 28 years. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> for, for <laughs> a matter of time then. Seasoned. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The fight on the plane. Sorry, it's just it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole franchise. So, you obviously got the script and you would have seen that that's a big, a big scene and necrosis like death, etc. And what, what did you think when you saw that the, the way that sort of Bond does away with him is that, you know, Necros is grabbing onto his boot and then, you know, he uses the knife to cut the laces and then that causes him to fall off because maybe, maybe this is just me, but I think in, in other hands that might've seemed a little bit silly or, or something, but I think it's, I think it works absolutely brilliantly. And it's, it's like a sort of genius of Bond moment to get the better of this assassin who, all along, you're wondering how on earth is Bond going to get the better of this guy? And you want to get that line, and of course, right? He got the boot. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, when I when I read that, I said, I want to I want to do the parachuting stunt. Um, oh right, yeah. And uh, and luckily they didn't let me. <laughs> the noise, the sort of blood curdling scream, were obsessed with when you when you die. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Holding the boot, falling out of the plane. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, that was my voice, definitely. Was it? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can do screaming quite well. <laughs> you did, did brilliant, yeah. Yes, yeah, you certainly did. <laughs> Might have thought it was a ringtone, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another great scene. We Well, we, when we were growing up as kids watching it and loving this film, we used to refer to you. We didn't know the name Necros as kids. We just re- referred to you as the Baddie Milkman. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. was that was that in the script then? Chucking the milk bottles. That's a re- another really unique kind of disguise and method of killing people and causing destruction that you know adds to you being a, an iconic villain in my eyes. You know, when we I, did, I went on the publicity tour and in, in, in Germany, there they had a had a big party and there was a bartender who had, who had created this little milk drink. Sorry, sir. Excuse me. Bloody yanks. Where's the usual milkman? What'd you say? Where's the usual man? <laughs> Flu. Hey, mate, watch it. Kitchen entrance, round the back. Which part of the, the shoot or which which were the scenes that uh, you have the, the sort of the most fond memories of? We thought, like you said, it was obviously a very pleasant kind of experience filming it. But was it like the locations, or was it the fact that, like you mentioned, you felt like you were kind of I suppose getting more screen time, or you're actually being act asked to sort of act rather than kind of just stand next to someone who's delivering their lives? Was there anything that kind of stands out as that that was the most enjoyable part of of this production? I can't. I don't think I can do that. There was there were just so many um, mm. so many aspects to this. You know, I mean, considering the the bit of of film I'd only done, and certainly never worked on a large on a large movie on a big budget movie, which which is really a completely different ball game. And uh, and that extended to not only just the on screen work, but but also off screen. You know, to mm. dealing with the dealing with the press, doing the publicity, but also you know the nice times. I mean, there were. A handful of parties in those days, you know, and um, we had wine for lunch. I mean, <laughs> believe it or not, at Pinewood, you know, they there was like uh, there was like real cutlery, and and we would have wine for lunch. Everybody was sitting there, <laughs> you know. Those were the days. Wow. Um, and you know, I mean, it's, it's you know, it was altogether an, um, an, a large experience, and I I kind of don't feel. Um, like picking anything out of that mm. it would sort of diminish the whole the, the package you know i mean it's mm. it's um 
it's kind of strange that, you know, after all this time that this is still, I, I had no idea this was going to be happening, but that's, this is sort of still with me. I mean, that's why I'm talking to you, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Because <laughs> that, that, that keeps, that keeps reverberating and, um, you know, I really, I couldn't have, I, if you told me this uh, then, that out of 30, 30 odd years or so, I'd, I'd still be talking about that. I'd say, no way. Um, but, but it's, I guess it's an aspect of being part of something that is um, such a legacy. Mm. It's probably the most successful film franchise of all time. I wouldn't be surprised. And you've got children, is that right? Have they, what do they think of the dad? And the, have they seen <laughs> these, those, those kind of performances? Have they seen those films? They are are extraordinarily, extraordinarily disinterested. I've seen they've seen bits of, of of some of the movies, but I don't really don't think they've seen any of them with full interest and from oh. top, from top to um, to end. You'll surprise it, don't it? Uh, Chris. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, my um, my uh, well, he's six now. He watched bits of of Living Daylights, and he he really enjoyed it. Obviously, there's a lot of a uh, lot of plot going on, um, but he, he loved it. He loved it. Looked like you say that, but it's so it's so iconic that film. You know, when you think about it, you, obviously you've got Dalton, you've got the, the Aston Martin in the snow, you've got the fight, you got, you, and you're such a striking and an, an imposing figure on the film because you, you obviously you're very tall, and so you're kind of, and with, with you know, at the end, you know, where you're wearing those kind of those, those you know, really tight jeans and those massive boots, you look like you already said it. Yes, yeah. you know, you look <laughs> such a. And for me, for, it's so iconic to see you yeah. on screen. And again, it's not a case of this character who is, there's nothing to him. You know, you take charge of the screen, you have charisma and you feel, you feel that, that that character is a person as opposed to, like you say, just that, that per, per, a guy who stands next to the other guy and then has to beat someone up. You know, I, mm. and, and I think it's great going back and watching those films with my son because he gets his, that childlike excitement in the stunts and the scenes and also that how exotic it is to go from like say Tangiers to to, to to Vienna and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's I suppose like you say that legacy is gonna gonna live on if, if it's not yeah. your kids <laughs> <laughs> not yeah, but I mean you're, you're you're quite right we you know it's 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 not been not so long that um a couple of people contacted me and said, "You know, you, I was, I was a kid then, and you know, when I saw mm. you do this, I slicked my hair back." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this was, you don't know, right? You don't know yes. how that might reverberate and how, 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 what kind of impact it might, it might have on, on you know, people's lives. And like you mentioned, like having a body of work as well, that that not every actor, you know, can have a very long productive career. But to have, you know, such to appear in such iconic films, you know, you obviously can name the three of, of, of Living Daylights, Die Hard and Mission Impossible that will live beyond us. And that's what a great, at least, you know, people will see your performances again and again and go back yeah. to those films. I think that yeah, was, that's, 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 yeah, that's really quite remarkable. I mean, you know, I really don't think that I look at, I don't look at this as, as a career. I haven't had a career. I mean, I wanted one, but it didn't really materialize because when you add it up, the the amount of work I've done on screen is really is really minuscule. It's it's very very little, um, especially since okay, the the Necros was a was a was a big part, but but all the other stuff I've done, and at least in all the in all the big features, were were tiny tiny bits and sometimes mm. microscopic. You know, I've, much more was uh, was on on television. Um, and stuff and in small features that nobody's ever seen or will ever see. But 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 you're right. I mean, it's quite it's quite remarkable that why did I end up in three of these um, <laughs> these massive um, blockbusters at the time? And um, I guess it kind of will um, reverberate. You know, maybe one day my 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 sons will will see um, the films when they get over the fact that I always die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you would you like to play more more goodies opposed to all these all these bad henchmen? No, no. no. Good, I mean, good. Good, good. I think I think a good baddie is is uh, is is uh, is great. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I don't. I don't really pursue um, on screen work any longer. It's just too. It's too much. 
it's too much effort to get the work, right? It's always more effort. I mean, unless you are you're you're famous, uh, it's always much more effort to to get the work. And I, it, I'm too old for that now. I don't I don't want to do that. So if somebody calls me up and says I got a part for you, then yeah, I'm. I'm I'm happy to to give it due consideration. Other than that, I don't. I just do my own stuff, and that tends to be that tends to be behind the camera. So, w- would you say that Necros is that the the role that you either enjoyed the most, and or you know look look back on fondly the most of, and also um, is that the one that you get recognised the most for? Would you say definitely the one I get I get most recognised yeah, for? Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's not all that much. I mean, you know. First of all, I, I live in Germany these days, and the Germans don't uh, tend, tend, tend to be movie buffs, and they don't they don't pick me up uh, and, and uh, get autographs. In the UK, it happens now and then. In America, it happens kind of sort of frequent, more frequently, and perhaps also for other things. And and then you get that occasional person that remembers all the lines that you had that you had. In <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we I might be one people. of those people. <laughs> <laughs> There, there, you know, there have been some, there have been some bits in, in smaller things that were, that were more demanding in terms of what they were asking for, mm. for me as an actor, and that's always nice. If I look at the whole package of the experience, the, the Bond movie was definitely, uh, was definitely unique. You know, it was, uh, it was um, my life for three months or, or four. You've done a bit of directing as well, I understand, Andreas. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? What's that like? That, that's totally different. Totally different. But uh, you know, I always like to tell people what to do. So that, 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 <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, I have that affinity. I've done. I've done some some directing for stage, but but um, mostly mostly I'm pursuing sort of. Uh, I have a couple of drama things that I want to make, but um, what, what's nice about that? Let me let me just uh, say that. But I don't. I don't. You know, I, I view the, the director as a sort of a hub. And what I enjoy about it is that you can then harness all these people's talents. And as there are some people in the, in the film business, there are some people with enormous amounts of talents. And they don't always, you know, they can't, they don't gel unless there's someone in the middle who pulls all that together and sort of molds it into a vision. And when that happens, you can, you can get extraordinary things to happen. And that's what what it attracts me about about being a director, right? You know, I mean, I I don't think I'm particularly good at anything, but I'm quite good at getting the best out of people. Yeah, mm. and that's that's something I really enjoy. You know, to 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 put people in the position to to give their best and kind of make that into you know a nice cake. Very well put. <laughs> Just going back to the, the bonds again, who. Daniel Craig's obviously been Bond for quite a long time now. We we think some of his performance is owed a lot to Timothy Dalton's. Would you, would you agree with that? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, you probably have to ask him. I I do find that he is uh, equally serious, and he's also you know he's uh, he's also a strong actor. Um, so I guess that gives it uh, a common footing. And uh, yeah, I, I I really enjoy him. I like that. You know, I, it's kind of he's taken it. Perhaps he's uh, he's built on on Tim's interpretation of it in that with Daniel Craig you can kind of see that he's you know that that, that he's he has has aspects of a, of a psychopath as well that, that the guy is actually a killer right yeah. the guy is dangerous and you don't want to get on the wrong side and then there's that like the, could be fairly unpleasant to to be dealing with this person <laughs> yeah. Who, who would you say is your favourite James Bond actor? Uh, those two. Yeah, mm. okay, yeah, interesting. You've got to say Tim, surely. You can't, <laughs> can't not say Tim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, Tim is a fabulous actor. I recently saw uh, Lion in Winter, and, I mean, he is just brilliant in it. I mean, if you've never seen it, you should yes. see the, the, we, uh, the old one with, uh, with Anthony Hopkins. Anthony and, Hopkins, uh, yeah. Anthony Stark, who we interviewed from Leicester to Kill, he mentioned it as well, and just to show how long he's been working, because that was in the... Mm. It was in the 60s, I think, or early 70s. At the, I think so, yeah. 60s. Yeah, wow. just incredible. Yeah. yeah. Great, well, great stuff. You know, we always wish that he'd done... I think you mentioned it before as well, Andres, more than two, um, and particularly because there was a gap between Licence to Kill, his second film, and then... The next Bond film, which was released, which was Goldeneye in 1995, it's just, you always think it's such a shame that there was that time where he could have 
done one or two more James Bond films and perhaps his legacy would be, you know, even greater than, than it is. But uh, it is speculation since it didn't happen that way. Yeah, yeah. Of <laughs> it was meant to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll just yeah, keep watching these two. Know, right? I mean, it's, isn't it always better to leave people wanting more yeah. than, than to yes. say... That's true. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's good enough now. Enough now. Yeah. Next one. Next, yeah. Please go. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, th thank you very much, Andreas. We've, we've yeah. loved speaking to you. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and catching up with you. Yeah, we, we'll continue to really, really trumpet Living Daylights and Necros as a character. We, we love them both. And they've been a great part of the franchise's legacy. So we thank you for that. Thank you for your own personal contribution yeah. to James Bond. Thanks, yeah. uh, thanks for your time, guys, and good luck to you all. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you, you thank you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.